Jamesy the Band. Find their music at jamesythebandband.bandcamp.com. Shout out to my cousin, Cole Hem, singer-songwriter, with the band Jamesy. The shadows never last. to the broadcast. Time to take off the mask. Hello? Hey, I hear you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's early in the morning. It's got up. Yes, bonjour, mon ami. Non, ça va bien. Ça va bien, si. Oui. Oui. Oui, yeah. Uh, I'm just having my first sip of coffee right now. Okay. No problem. Can you see me now? Oops, the other way. Uh, did you I want mean, to uh, video tap? That's my bookshelf. I know my bookshelf's prettier than me, but there you go. This is uh this is how I have the microphone set up for you. <laughs> oh, you have a microphone. Okay. <laughs> Where is it connected to? You have your recording st- equipment? Yeah. yeah. Well, just that. Oh, okay. So look what I have. Oh, uh, it's not can... it's not very intense, but it's uh how do I flip the screen anyways? Um I have wireless microphones. Oh, cool. Yeah, and they connect to this uh receiver. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I'm set up for for music here, but I, I don't know my stuff works, so um, now I can't switch this thing around. Give me a second. Uh, there you go. So I have a little bit of recording stuff. You saw it, I think. You, you went to my place. Yeah. You is remember that, one? Is that the big one? Uh, okay, so. One what was that? I remember a what very I remember a very large mixing board that you had. Oh, that's the one on the other side here. Oh, okay. Uh, on the ground there. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. That one is uh, that one's fully analog, so it's it's harder to play with. So I have this. I'm gonna set it up at some point. I just have to take the time to do it, and I'm I'm lazy and procrastinator, so I haven't got to it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see you. It's nice Likewise, to finally nice spend some to see time you together. Again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. will I be? Can I expect to see you in May? Possibly. Yes, I'd have. Uh, possibly. Uh, what we do over there is uh, we get we get all the minds together and do some work. Mm-hmm. So we may choose to do work on a weekend on things we don't have time usually to do. So, if we have nothing to do, uh, we'll probably have two rental cars. One 
for me, one for them. Yeah. And if I have time, I will definitely go when I go to that uh, Christian thing. You guys are going to. <laughs> well, you you don't have to go to the Christian thing either. Uh, it could even just be to uh, to hang out for an evening, whatever. I'm easy going. You know, if it's important to you, it's important to me, Charles. You don't pick and choose. It's yeah. Well, the Christian thing is not important to me actually. It's more important to my wife, and it's a family tradition. So rather than okay, take that experience away from my son. It's like it's not about. I don't, for me, the Christian experience is not about him being indoctrinated. It's about him getting to know what everybody's going through. You know, like, okay. Like, uh, I find it valuable as a kind of a Christian slash non-Christian that I, I went through all my Christian sacraments. Um, yeah, me too. Because they, they have value, even though, you know, I don't agree with the church, all the church's rules, and etc., etc., but also even to understand and empathize with the, with, with Christians, if you decide not to be one, at least you can understand what their, what their, their show's all about, you know? Yeah, but you know that already. I guess your son. I, I, I find that, that these, that, all these sacrifices. He won't know that. You know what I mean. And also, he's in school with Christian people. I don't know. It's a little. I feel like it's okay. You're no. part of this tribe. Enjoy the tribalism, but I'll be in the background saying, you know, this could be questioned, that could be questioned. Forget the dogma. Throw that dogma out the window. Blah blah blah. That's mm. that's been my approach. He's actually going to be. Uh, his first communion is going to be in Catholic when he was baptized Anglican. Oh, really? So they're going to... They're gonna... He's allowed? Yeah, he's allowed. <coughs> Anglicans and Catholics, because mainly because of the country Spain, where a lot of British people were marrying Spanish people, they found that the two okay. religions had to make a deal where they accepted uh, dual citizenship in both religions. Both religion citizenship. Yeah. Okay, so when he gets to God, does did he sign the papers? <laughs> <laughs> no, his parents did for him, so he, that's the technicality. He, did, he didn't sign okay. anything. He, it's a loophole. <laughs> it's a loophole. <laughs> I left the loophole there for him. <laughs> I'm sure we can fool God because he doesn't know. No, we don't. We didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. How they, they think they can just fool God like this. Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, oh yeah, God's okay with it. We're basically the same. <laughs> well, they did do that oh. in Spain in the, uh, in the 90s, in the late 90s. The two churches uh, made agreements for dual citizenship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there were times when uh, priests would sell uh, seats in heaven. Did, did, you, did you hear about that? Yeah. It would, you could if you were, if you have enough money, you could buy yourself. You're just paying terribly because you need money, and then they guarantee you a seat in heaven. I uh, how ridiculous is that? I haven't People heard got into it, that. I haven't heard of it as I heard of it as a sarcastic joke routine that this this buddy of mine he was kind of a <coughs> an old school Italian mobster family guy. So he got, it's interesting, the mafias, they have different theological and, because they're kind of anarchists, right? So this guy, this guy said, uh, his joke was, hey, you want to pay, you want to get in the pearly gates? You got to pay the ladder, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, his, that was his routine, yeah. Anyhow, so, um. Let's get Actually, to the yes. word. Do you want to get to the word? Sure. So, what what word are we going to? Okay. Get? So I'm I'm flexible with the word. Um, your words are much different than mine. You have sentences and feelings. Mm -hmm. um, what pops in my mind is more of a is more words. Let's say you have. I think the first two are just words, but they kept interchanging. As I was waking up, I was kind of trying to find a word, and things were floating around in my semi-dream state. 
And I kept getting mm-hmm. discipline and then dedication. Discipline. It's kind of like that. I think I think discipline was the original one. And then dedication started popping discipline. in after. Yeah. Discipline is not a bad one. Mm-hmm. Can uh, You can choose the first one and I can choose the second one then. Are we going to do two words in this conversation? No, just one. I think... Uh, I think we, we talk enough for uh, yeah. to have one yeah. word and expand on it. I think I think once we start working on the one, it'll, it'll get into something potentially completely different, uh, and 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 get. I, I think in the end, uh, after all the podcasts, we'll notice that uh, we'll have a trend word ends where where we both want to go. Okay. Um, I, I think that's. I think it will converge into. A common I believe focal you. point. Um, which who would you like? Who would like to go first? Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first for picking a word? Okay, you pick a word. Go ahead. Okay, I I'm like a challenge. Pick, I'm going to pick the word from the phrase "bird song." I'm going to pick the word "song." Song. Song. Okay. Because that's uh, an up lifting type of word to me at first at the first glance and um and i also consider that word to be challenging so let's do it okay okay are, are we recording now we are we've been recording the whole we, time so okay we can edit whatever oh we have yeah okay hello charles how are you doing today hello stefan i'm sorry i'm, I'm well <laughs> we're not recording our faces though we're just recording. No, that. that's all right. No, it's just I almost fell over with my, I'm, I'm on a board here and I, I leaned on it and I almost lost everything. Okay, so I, I understand that um, you you thought of the word song this morning. Song. So what is, I would like, why don't we try start with the definition of a song? What is def, does the definition of a song is for you, Charles? me a song is a an experience in time usually audible but also emotional and intellectual of 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 a of a thought or a feeling so it's the expression the experience <laughs> i didn't think that through but that's uh that's what i'm coming up with right now it's kind of like an uh a manifestation of emotions and thoughts. That's a song. And I do consider certain poems to have song-like qualities. So in my organization of my mind, songs and poems go together. Songs and um, acting, maybe, also. Certain, certain expressions. Certain, certain phrases... So they're not poems yet, but they're phrases, and they have, they express emotion as well, I consider as songs. How about yourself? What do you, um, what do you a song. consider to be songs? Well, song? when I think of a song, what was that? What do you consider oh, okay. to be songs? So when I think of a song, uh, it can be mechanical. And mathematical, and it, it could also be something, like you said, like a drama of some sort. So the, a composer uh, has notes. Mathi- mathi- the notes on the score sheets are basically mathematical equation that equates a certain sound, or the, to use the words you like to use a lot, a frequency. Um, and then it's put on paper, and after that, it can be sung by other people. So it could be it could be orchestrated, or a song could also be something that comes from the heart and, like like you said, a feeling. And say you sing in the morning in the shower. It could be anything. You yes. you're happy. You have a happy song in your mind. So you're you're transferring this this happy emotion to start your day. If you're sad, it will the song will be a little sad. Your voice will sound sad as well. And and everything around it will, will be sad. So uh, mood related or mathematical. Well, that's, that's um, yes, uh, two things came to mind as I was listening to is uh, songs can also be prayers. 
there's even the book of Psalms, but I always thought etymologically that word sounded a lot like our English <coughs> word song. Um, the other thing uh, uh, that came to mind when you spoke of songs as mathematical, that's so true. All music is mathematical. All language is mathematical. All truth is mathematical. Um, and, um, and, and so I guess also in my definition of, of song would be truth, an expression of truth, expression of math. Or as the Egyptians called it, ma'at. Uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not sure, but ma'at, truth, right? And that's where we get the the etymo etymology for math. Um, interesting. So, of all these definitions, what what would the you're the one that's kind of guiding this exercise? I haven't learned the format of it yet. The the song of it, the math of it, yet. Um, what, uh, what's next? Should we pick some of the things we've mentioned in our definition and elaborate? So for this one, I've never done this before. So I was just going to go with the flow and uh, feed off each other. I think, it, uh, I think that would work well for now. If we want to have a, a more uh, mathematical or uh, equation like format later we could speak ahead of time and have a series of things to say but right now I think feeding of each other would do I've never done this so I'm um, it's out it's outside my comfort zone totally mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this but I'm kind of going with the flow here and and what I do in writing with other people I'm doing it verbally with you I don't like my voice on uh, on the recording anyway so I think I sound like an idiot but I think uh, oh, you, we'll it's, impossible feed off you to, it's impossible for you to sound like an idiot, my friend, because you're not an idiot. <laughs> I know, but my, I don't like my voice on the recording. But anyway, you have so we can feed, feed off each other. <laughs> <laughs> so after what you said, Charles, I pick up two things that are interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I pick up truth and I also pick up psalms. So I, I would... My, my thought would go directly to psalm because I have an opinion on this. Then I would ask you about truth. So on the psalms, I would say, because I'm studying Hebrew and the, the Hebrew alphabet, yes. the, all, every Hebrew alphabet has a meaning. And when you put them into sentences, into a document like the psalms, it brings a whole new meaning of sounds and thoughts and images that, that every poem in the David's praises in there will give you something very interesting that goes beyond words so the psalms are I've, I've been I've been told before by someone who's very Catholic they are basically incantations if you have a problem with something you you would look into the psalms you find something that 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 could send an energy to help you achieve something if someone sends bad energy to you then you send back that that energy uh, that will counter it and then help you out. And the psalm, if you look at the big, the beginning of the book, it says well, it has a list of things of or goal that you may have in reading the psalms, and you can go directly to the one that you have there. So it is, it is in a song, a song, an energy, a vibration that you basically send back to a person. That's what the psalm, and I think it's a very interesting. Uh, uh, thing that you said, and it's a good exercise to actually read them in the Hebrew language. Although I'm not very versed in it, it takes time. Um, so I, I've read them, I've and, read yeah. some of the Psalms in the English language, and uh, with the understanding that that they are incantations, that they are poems, that they are meant to be sung out loud with emotion and and uh, and uh, therefore energy uh, behind them. Uh, that's the magic there is the emotional the thought the 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 physical energy that you're able to create when singing your psalm um, but I've all I've've I've, I've found them unrelatable to me I haven't really wanted anything like the death of my enemy and the destruction of my enemy or maybe I have but but they seem bleak. Can you enlighten me on that topic? Maybe I've just, uh, I mean, there's, I think there's a hundred or two hundred of them. 
Uh, so maybe I haven't, uh, I've only experienced maybe 10 or 12 before getting a little discouraged. But uh, what kind of content is in the Psalms that you know? So my understanding of pretty much all the um, all the old books that we have in the Bible, the, the Torah as well, uh, when my understanding is that it, it was written taking into account the context of the time, the politics of the time, uh, the uh, the tribulations of the time. So uh, when you talk, when they talk about conquering your enemy, obviously in those days they, they were very. Uh, very primal, and they would war against each other. They war for territory. They war for resources. They even war to to augment their gene pool into their tribe at, at some point. So, uh, conquering our one's enemy uh, may be killing in the past, but uh, right now it's really uh, just to give yourself the strength to to be above what your enemy would be. But when your enemy just could be a competitor. You know, if you're into uh, uh, electrical contracting, yeah, the enemy. You know, your electrical contracting it was <laughs> we're not coordinated. Like, yeah. okay, I'll, I'll finish my sentence. Uh, so, conquering your enemy uh, would be for you. For example, you you have a bunch of competitors as an electrical uh, contractor. So it would be just just give me my fair share of of what I have, so that so that I can be I can compete. That, that may be, for us, it's another way of, of conquering the enemy. It's just that in another way. Well, uh, also, I see the enemy as possibly being an aspect of yourself, an aspect of your own personality, uh, like self-doubt um, as well. Mm. Um, well, let's... Uh, you say there's a... You, you alluded to a list. There's some sort of cross-reference for things that you can... Um, ailments or problems that you could have and the uh, corresponding psalm for it. Um, that list sounds pretty intriguing. Um, what kind of things are on that list? What kind of problems do the psalms solve? I, I have to find it. Let me open my Andy Dandy book. Well, do um, you have anything off your memory? Uh, possibly, like, do they uh, cure? Um, obviously, they help you with competition and enemies in the physical world. Uh, possibly, even in your uh, in an alchemical reference to your to your overall psychology and depth psychology. Um, but are there psalms for physical ailments like uh, like the plague or the cold or? Or even depression from a broken heart. Uh, I'm, I'm, I believe I'm they intrigued. are. I'm intrigued. So they would go. The, the Bible is, and, and all these books, these books, from what I understand from them, uh, they refer to major categories. <clears throat> so oppression can be oppression about pretty much anything. If you want, you want to pray for sickness. Uh, you would pray for sickness in general, and then you'll add your little your little blurb on what kind of sickness you'll have. Uh, but they would, I imagine, uh, they, they wouldn't talk about cancer at that point because they don't know cancer was not may have existed in the time, but at the at the at the moment they didn't call it cancer; they called it something else, probably leprosy or whatever. So they they would they would probably take the uh, the the sickness of the day and the worst that they have and they would say help me against that sickness and then they would carry on but we have, what uh, what people most people don't understand is that the by the the psalms were in, originally written in, in hebrew so the, the meaning is more spiritual than it is literal so when you say you looked at it and you thought well that's a little bleak that's because you're reading it literally, uh, and it, it loses yes. it completely loses its sense. Well, and also translated into English, and a uh, few uh, millennia later, uh, I've definitely uh, lost the cultural context <laughs> without yes without <laughs> educating myself. Right, so I found them inaccessible from from a from a layman 
uh, North American perspective, but uh, I, I do intend to delve deeper on this topic because uh, it's been recommended to me that the Psalms, certain Psalms be read during certain times of the year, etc. And uh, being a curious mind and uh, always down for an experiment and an, an adventure, um, I would like to uh, try my hand at that ancient Jewish Hebrew magic. Oh, there, yeah, there are sure. nice commentaries on the subject. Yes, maybe you could share uh, share some insight as to where I should look. Um, what's the title there of that book that you have in your hand? Can, can you read this? Um, the Book of Psalms with an interlineal translation. The Schottenstein edition. Hmm. <laughs> So that's a direct translation from the Hebrew. And I have another one as well. Um, it's a three book, three book series. And apparently, and I, I showed it to a, a, a devout Christian of mine, and he said he's a good author when he comes to that kind of stuff. He's renowned. And it's this one here. The Treasury of David by C.H. Spurgeon. Okay, so that one, it's a three, three, uh, three volume sort of thing, and it's very detailed as to what each, each line means and, and all that, so where it comes from, so, the, so the, I think with these two documents, it's a good starter. They're, they're not cheap, uh, obviously, but that, yeah. the good stuff is not cheap. Yeah, they look very, uh, very well made as far as, uh, book production goes as well. Um, yeah, I like them. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll edit this out, but I'd like to share a look at this book that I got uh, from my inheritance. Ooh, that's nice. Have you ever seen pages like yep. this? Is this damage or what is that? No, I, I have books like this. <laughs> the uh, the older books... This. Yeah, older books need. They used to be kind of like that. They had uh, they they added uh, gold. They had gold sheets too. Sometimes you, yeah. uh, there there's stuff on the internet on YouTube that, that that shows you how they made the book, and they they would press a nice layer of very very tiny gold sheet, and then that what that's what makes actually the the gold of it. And what you have there is. It was frequent in the older older days. Yes, that's nice. I have a couple of those books. So back to the uh, that's of, of Psalms. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> no worries. I have a question. I have a question. I'm curious to to hear your answer to um, or eager. Uh, the what do you think of my just layman theory that Psalms and their nature seem to have an etymological origin or seem to be the etymological origin or root or share the root with our English word song. And you speak French. Uh, you, you. Is, yeah. is there... You, you open the door to a whole new thing when talking about etymology. Carl mm -hmm. uh, Jung basically says that all the books in the Bible, everything that we have are from our myths. And a myth is a projection of the archetypes in your psyche. So when you say it's, it's mythological, I would I agree with you 100%. It would be someone who would have taken dreams, vision, images, uh, that, that come to mind a little bit like, well, like we did this morning with the first words like you, you had the birds and the song and, and all that stuff and but it would be it's deeper it's the deeper meaning within us which are put into the book it, it is a book of myths the whole bible is is a book of myths in in a way and can be related to other religions other religions all all have very similar thing they're plagiarism of each other i mean there's been one big book written at some point uh, in ancient egypt even before that potentially uh, the atlantean and all those 
morph into what they are now, but they are originally, they all have the same sort of archetype. They have a father, they have a mother, they have a child, they have birth, rebirth, and it, it, it goes on. The numbers follow each other. So the Psalms is basically a book of myth as well. That's that's my personal perception on it from what I've read. And yeah. Well, uh, that's interesting because the same dynamic can be seen in music. Um, I believe it was Jimmy Page that said that uh, rock and roll, um, there's nothing new anymore. It's just all recycled. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misquoting who said something like that, which I'm also paraphrasing. But um, uh, what do you think about that? Like, is, is music also archetypal? And... Is there a point where we run out of songs and are basically recycling what's already, in certain ways, you know, maybe a slightly different expression, but a similar beat, a similar emotion, etc.? What do you think of my question? Well, every once in a while, you see uh, a group that has a very different sound. For example, at some point, Kings of Leon came up, and, and they have this really strange kind of folky... Uh, folky rock song and you listen to them you like, well, what is that it's 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 not rock it's not heavy metal it's not it's not folk what what is it and then and it's is it king of leon i think it is king of leon but you get this this sound that's completely different and i i'm actually looking for that because i like the the vocal drums bass guitar uh it's 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 fun it's rhythmic and and it's it to me the, the basics of it I don't like techno too much but but I'm also thinking there's gonna be something else uh, with noise from the outside like thump have you seen the show thump thump t-h-o-m-p is that the old they make show? sounds with no they, they, they make sounds with garbage cans and they have sticks they hit on the are ground sure, and all that you have sure you seen you're that I'm talking about the, the Broadway show stomp Stop! I'm so yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, thump, I thought maybe there was another <laughs> one, a newer one. <laughs> yes, yeah, I no, did no see that's stomp. it. <laughs> when I left the theater from Stomp, and I did see it on Broadway in New York on a school trip in high school, I left the theater with an energy within me that lasted hours. It was I was just I was ready to play music. I was ready to dance. I was ready to make love. I was ready to run. I, was, I, I just had this very vibrant, uh, ecstatic energy after seeing that show. Yeah. Sorry. So they, so they came up with something. No, no, it's okay. I mean, uh, that's how I felt as well when I, I saw a 15 minutes demonstration that was to sell their show. And that, that, that's the effect that I had on it. It's like there's something else out there, and it's just worth exploring. Um, so why do we have to, to use uh, highly tuned instruments like a, a saxophone or a very well-tuned drums or guitars? Well, why, why do we work within the confines of the keys that we were given? Uh, the good musicians, they, they work within the keys, but they also get off the keys and like, oh, what's going on here? And then they come back and then they, 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 they kind of throw you off a little bit by, by doing a so, sort of a resolve that you're you're like, oh, that doesn't sound quite like I'm used to, but uh, okay, it's back here. Uh, the good ones, they play with this, you know? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there, there's, a, uh, there's room for even more, even stranger things like, oh, okay, it's, it's all been done, but let's try to use something that, that does not exist. It does not exist. Therefore, it's hard to create because you, you don't really have to put yourself out there. You have to think about, you have to think outside the box. You have to pick up the first thing you see. Can I make music with this thing? You tap around with something, a piece of metal that, uh, like you're an electrician, you relate to that. You have a, a nice little panel that, that is bolted with, let's say, eight tiny bolts and it's got a hollow, but it's not completely tightened on one side and the other. You tap on it and this makes a all of a sudden, this is a little, you go there, it's a little bit higher pitch, and you go back, and like, you can do something with this, you can make, you can make an instrument with this, and you just, just make your own, you know, it's, it's interesting. 
It's funny, I was uh, trying to cheer my son up yesterday, and I actually used his toy bow and arrow as a bass guitar. <laughs> I was able to nice. come up with two separate riffs, but they were very hard to sustain, because it uh, wasn't ergonomically uh, an instrument yet. Um, <laughs> um, but what you're saying is, is, is true, and it's intriguing, and I think that what you're trying to express is... is I, I was more plain as a pessimistic with my with my question, but I think that as our consciousness evolves, so does our song or our archetype base. Um, they kind of have different experiences, etc., emotions, understandings added to them uh, and compiled. But I also think it's interesting that there's seems to be um, root systems in humanity where you know like the, the broadway show stomp um well there there's tribes that would do similar performances right um with uh drumming etc i could think of african tribes using drums for communication ceremony and ritual as well as polynesian tribes using drumming and screaming and chanting for uh tribal um war and I know of it from my father's rugby uh, culture. Um, <clears throat> what what do you what do you um, what do you think with the mathematical proposition that we're making here is that we have this kind of base root frequency which all consciousness, all song, all experience um, kind of. Uh, evolves from and how many base root frequencies would there be could it be just one to create all of this diversity that's interesting so so uh, i'd like to answer that in in two segments the first one is the, the kabbalah yeah. says that the universe was created with the 22 letters of the alphabet mm -hmm. uh, so each one of them has an intonation and eventually the, the, the universe was created with, with all of them put together, and, and then they off you go. So the, the universe would have been created with sound. So basically, uh, to use your words, with frequencies. Uh, now the, the root sound, it's interesting. Um, have, you, have you ever listened to a song, and then, and then you just stop and think, wow, that, that song vibrates in a such a way that it pleases me very much. Oh yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. the song just has the right the right background music, the right songs, the right intonation into the song. It's like that song vibrates with me at a perfect level. Mm -hmm. So that 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 tells me that each one of us probably has its own song kind of tune bass frequency and it it's not no not compared with music, but you can also compare it with with people. I mean, there's some people you, you, they talk to you and they just rub you the wrong way, and they're they're eloquent speaking or or they're not, uh, and uh, they, they they act a certain way you would expect or not. But they they, they you, you leave. I mean, like I, I just I just want to get out of here. I don't like that person, or another person is completely completely opposite to you. Uh, it's like let's say you're 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 a sophisticated person, and you have a person that's that's very rough and and swears all the time. But you like I like that person. There's something about that person that makes me want to to be around that person. So though that frequency, I think, goes both ways. I think you hear in the music, you hear what we see other people because we all have different bass lines, and when those same bass lines kind of go together. Hey, it just feels right. Yes, and, and I... You know what I mean? I, yeah, I do know what you mean, and, and, and to elaborate on that too, I think our bass lines can, um, they're, they fluctuate with our moods, with our personal development, etc. Uh, the bass line of uh, myself as a toddler is definitely different than the bass line or the frequencies I'm, I'm living in today as a 38-year-old, so... That that's it's all very complex, isn't it? Um, what is the second sentence yes, of your answer? 
I, I said about the two of them. It's uh, I talked about the creation of the universe with the Kabbalah. It's more theor theoretical. Theoretical, uh, obviously to not obviously, but to to get to the bottom of this, you have to be well versed in the Kabbalah teachings. You have to meditate on it. You have to take a look at at each letter like one at a time. It's it's a long process. The other one is something that we do instinctive, instinctive, instinctively. So there, like the the, the music. So Yes. Okay. I, I get. I. I. I see the segmentation of your answer. Uh, sorry for not recognizing it. Um, I've just That's thought bad. of something else. Is uh, as twenty-two letters. So now we could get on maybe to the map aspect of music, and, and also existence too, because I guess we're also talking about that somehow. Um, twenty-two letters in the alphabet, or ten, twenty-two frequencies. That's the Kabbalah. Then you have the Pythagoreans with the decade, or the ten frequencies, or zero through nine. So that's the uh, Pythagorean um, uh, first set of frequencies. As well as the ancient, and I think the Pythagoreans also uh, were, were into this too, was the triad, or the three. And then, and then there's also duality. And singularity, and then you know infi infinity. So there, there seems to be in historical traditions all these different sets, and each one is trying to describe, like the the uh, one through three, is often used to describe the origin of frequencies, and then zero through nine is the first cycle. And then 22 would be the original archetypes, in my understanding. But can you elaborate on, on, on what I've just pointed out? So you're, you, have, you, have, you have this, this way of opening a million doors at the same time. Uh, so, talk, okay, so the 22 <laughs> archetypes, uh, we, we, can, we can actually elaborate by getting into the tarot. Cards, yes. uh, with the major arcana that has 0 to 21 yes. and then this gives you all the archetypes and I there Carl Jung has a book on okay somebody wrote a book using Carl Jung's theories on archetypes and actually discusses the the uh, the, the the tarot cards on the major arcana so every one of those book. letters I, I've ordered this book and what was I, that I, I've ordered something like oh yes yeah? I've ordered a Carl Jung tarot deck with a corresponding Oh. book and I can't oh, really? wait to receive it I, it may be months before it comes I was told but, but yeah. okay well let, let me know when you get it I'd like yeah. to see because um, um, I can show you mine before we leave today so mm -hmm. uh, so that's a 22 with the 22 notes or letters or images and uh, and and the archetypes it's it's very complex it's a, it's a whole new kind of study then you talk about the ten, the ten numbers of, of Pythagorean, Pythagorean letters, uh, numbers. I'm, I'm not sure about this one. Are you talking about the just the the ten digit, uh, the digit system that we have now came from? There? Is that what you're saying? Um, well, uh, okay. So in Pythagorean numerology, um, they um, dissect all the numbers from zero to nine. Oh, okay. And and okay. um, they they that's a set of ten zero to nine and basically ten is the first repetition of the cycle because you have one plus zero. Um, uh, so and every number is made from those original ten numbers zero through nine. They also I'll I'll, I'll add to that they believe that the number four had a hidden decade within it. Um, being that one plus two plus three plus four equals ten, and that's interesting to me because when you look at the archetype of the triad, that would be three separate energy and energies, and once they duplicate, you would have a fourth. So, as soon as the three duplicate into four, you have the original cycle of ten. Is what that alludes to, in my understanding of the Pythagorean system. Have you discovered any literature or, or any 
anything that that coincides with what I'm talking to? Uh, it's you're talking about the basic numbers uh, from one to ten. I think it's the uh, from zero to nine. It's uh, the basics of mysticism that we learn about the numbers, and they may come from Pythagoras because well, that's what we have. The we can go as far as as he went, and he took his teachings from the past too. So, yes, yes. from what I understand, these numbers, uh, I have come to accept that they are not universal numbers. Uh, you and I have had many talks about this one. Uh, they are they correspond to life on Earth numbers. They're human numbers. Uh, number one, we believe, we think because we never, can never be sure about this, that there is one God. So that's the omnipotence of God. Do, too, is duality. There's good, there's bad. There's, there's a, to everything that we have, there's a contrary to it. Uh, if you go any f further enough, far, far enough into our universe or go get to another universe, you may realize that the... The, uh, the physics that happens over there is completely different, and the duality of things does not exist. There's only one thing, or maybe there's a triality of things. So it's really, it's really something that, that we've, uh, we've learned to accept. Uh, with the number five is important because we have five senses, we have five fingers uh, on the one hand, and the seven is the number of planets that we have and the cycle that we have around us evolving to a seven day. So it's really a human number. It's an earthly number. It's an earthly number or it's uh, the number of our universe, our dimensions, um, those that understanding. That's interesting that you, that you say that. Um, just before our conversation, I was watching a video uh, that started with a quote from Stephen Hawking who basically... Um, uh, says that he takes the theory that uh, the universe is uh, only exists within the human mind, whatever that should mean. That's that's apparently from Stephen Hawking. That's that's kind of what you're speaking to. That you know, um, okay, these are the frequencies we know as humans here on Earth in this galaxy or solar system. Uh, but in other dimensions and other re realities, should they exist, we could have a completely different set of physics. Mm. That's that is it, really it's, intriguing, yeah. actually. That idea. Yeah. So my thought on this is that we we can talk about things as far as we can see, yes. as we can observe, but in the end, the rest we extrapolate from what we know. And our extrapolation, because we've been, because we've been living a really infinitesimal amount of time in really the, the scheme of things. We we think the the Earth is like fourteen billion years old, but really is it? I mean, it's a it's a crapshoot, really. Yeah. Um, it it could be much older, it could be much younger, but we have lived such a small period of time that the day that we have really give us, it does not give us enough information to determine how the universe actually works because maybe it's only 30 billion year cycle and then you look at i don't know uh a thousand two thousand years of data and like this is how it works but we're really we really don't have enough data to say what it is so it is what it is for now and then later on maybe we'll live 30 million billion years i don't think we will but if we do then we'll have more information but then maybe the, the universe is not 30 billion years, but mil thousands and thousands and thousands of billion years old. And then the 30 billion sort of data that we have is so small, the scheme of things, that it really means nothing else than something to make us feel better about ourselves. Say, ah, oh, this is how the universe works. It's all explained. You know well, what I'm I, trying I, to get at? <coughs> yes, I do know what you mean, and I fully agree with with your hypothesis that we truly know nothing. Is that what you're saying? We, <laughs> That's we, pretty much we, it. We think we do, but... Yeah, yeah I've, always, I've always actually used that hypothesis to... Uh, I have an interesting uh, uh, debate in my pocket for any vegetarians that, that uh, <laughs> choose to be vegetarians based on animal cruelty alone. 
And when, when I hear that, I say, but you're still killing a plant. And uh, the best response to that debate or that uh, challenge to a vegetarian is uh, from my friend Shane. He said, well, until a carrot can look up with me with his eyes and squeal with pain, I'm going to bite into that fucker. <laughs> so, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, I said. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that, I think he was the last one I've tried that argument with. Uh, other people uh, just, you know, you get to see what you're dealing with in a, in a mind when they just, you know, blatantly say, well, plants don't have feelings, but um, that's not proven yet. We cannot, they do not have Actually, spines. it is. Well, so, they uh, can have feelings uh, on different a, dimensions, there's a book. could they not? What was that? Could they not have feelings on other be? dimensions we do not know how to measure? Actually, we measure them. Uh, so there's um. There's a book called The Secret Life of Trees. A friend of mine gave it to me. He was reading that, and uh, I said, well, that sounds interesting. He gave it to me. So I read it. I'm about a quarter through it. And he basically says that all the trees are connected into, let's say, all the trees in North America, for, for example, are all connected through their roots. The, there's an electrical signal that goes from root to root, and then it, it's, it moves at a very, very slow pace. I can't remember how fast it moves, but it, it's actually been measured that it moves. And also when an insect or a bunch of insects start uh, eating a tree, uh, the tree itself will emit uh, a smell that will reach all the other trees, say, hey, I, I, I'm being attacked here, protect yourselves. And the other trees will, will, have the, will get to this uh, chemical into their leaves that will make them bitter or have a, a taste that is that does not please those insects, those predators, and the predators won't touch them. So they communicate with each other. It's very complex, and we can't even communicate this way anymore. Well, at one point, we were, the pheromones and all this stuff, but, but we have lost the way of doing it. The trees are still going it. They're still communicating, and when a tree is cut and the stump is still there, uh, they have so much compassion, those trees, that they will divert some of their energy to keep the stump alive. The stump is still alive at times, sometimes not, but uh, they, they actually share that energy. They limit the growth of their children trees so that they, be, so that they don't go too fast and they're not strong enough so that the base is actually grows enough so that they can be more stable. And when they grow up, they, they actually grow up stronger. And they do that by by all these leaves going on top of, of those baby trees, if you want to call them that way, uh, so that the sun doesn't get to them and doesn't make them grow too fast because they'll be fragile, they'll die. So our perception that that uh, plants don't actually communicate, don't have it, are not sentient beings in some ways is, is flawed because they communicate against each other. I'm what so the book also you... says, yes. I, I just want to say something, it won't be long. Uh, what the book also says is that we also have dumb trees in North America in the places where cut trees because they're separated from the collective. Oh. They're, they're stupid dumb. trees. They don't know how to live. Just like us with our elders, when we had our elders at home, we had the, 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 the knowledge was transferred to the kids of how to live life and stuff. And now, now we, what do we do? We put our, our elders in, in homes and all that, all that knowledge, all that how to be stuff is, is lost. But the trees is the same one. The trees raise themselves on their own, separate from the collective. They lose all that knowledge, they lose that protection, and they're just for our consumption. They're, they're tall, fragile, they're cut, they're gone, but they're, they're dumb trees, basically. Like, we're, 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 like we are going to be, if we keep doing that to our elders, we'll be a dumb generation because we'll have the knowledge that we have up till about 30 or 40 years old. Well, to that last point, we've also uh, made, our, made our society dumber by, um, it seems that uh, we don't fully understand our, our human history. Um, we, we have, uh, we've had organizations like governments and religious organizations, uh, um, before internet really 
uh, warping the ideas of reality for people and uh, and how things were and even changing history uh, with their pens uh, and burning books etc um, <clears throat> I'm very happy you told me about this uh, this uh, information that we have now uh, compiled evidence that plants do have uh, thoughts electricity um, emotions etc communication slash consciousness um, that's always been my um, my just gut feeling towards them, um, and and also very interesting about this uh, the importance of having that connect connection to your past to your to your genealogical past um, cultural past uh, that that seems very important too. There was one more point that. One more point that did you had inspired while listening to you talk. I can't remember it at the moment, but um, oh, uh, it wasn't a point. It was actually a, a story I'd like to share. <clears throat> um, everything you just described by the science, I was completely unaware of, but I can report that um, I took a, a large amount of. Uh, marijuana and climbed up into uh, my two-story tree house that uh, that I made for my children and I did a ritual and uh, the ritual caused me to go into meditation and uh, I think the combination of the environment everything but my meditation took me unexpectedly into a realm where I through the tree got to see the community of trees of North America. I got to sense what sh and I sensed that this tree was a female. So I could sense this female tree showing me all this and basically in the way that you described is what I was able to envision. So that that actually has astounded me. Because I, I do believe that consciousness um, of all species here on Earth and even Earth itself, and possibly the planets, have consciousness. I, I believe it would be it, it would be um, way too early for us to discount the possibility of these things. But it seems that the more our science develop, sciences develop, and our instrumentation develops, we can uh, see and measure and prove that consciousness is a real force slash frequency, and it and it is within all living things probably will will be able to to measure it seems as as we've already done that and uh and consciousness interspecies and in intergenerational it's it opens up a whole whole set of possibilities but then at the same time they um they all fall under the physics of the human experience of the world of the universe so that was what I was going to bring up next before we went into that uh, very interesting uh, report that you gave us. Um, is Do you believe that even though there's probably other dimensions of the universes, etc., with different laws and physics, etc., that the frequencies of 1 through 3, 0 through 10, or uh, 0 through 9, uh, 22... Do you think that, and, and others uh, reported by the traditions of humanity across across uh, history and time, um, <clears throat> do you think that um, there's actual weight and validity to, um, to, to understanding the frequencies of these things, the patterns of existence here as a human, and how uh, claims like uh, energy healing claims like... Uh, well, a basic one would be sound healing. So different sound waves, different frequencies affecting the brain, affecting your mood. Uh, what do you know slash think about that? Anything? Okay, I have about five more minutes. Uh, That's okay. But, uh, it, we, okay, so we live, we live in the world uh, that we live in right now, obviously. So... That those numbers are significant for us, and we should definitely use them. It, it makes it makes your experience on Earth that much more interesting. So if you if you eat 
uh, if you indulge in the things that are good for your body, fluids and, and uh, ailments, uh, you'll, you'll be a happier person because you'll be healthier. If you surround yourself with the right sounds or also you'll, you'll be in harmony with yourself, you'll be in harmony with nature. So all those numbers, all those facts, uh, although I don't think they, they are universal and I also don't think they're actually useful after we depart, the physical body, after our energy that we, we may call solar or any, anything else, uh, depending on the fate you have. Uh, once that departs, I think it, it has no meaning to that, that sort of energy field. But I think while we're on Earth, it's worth studying. It's worth, uh, it's worth using because that is what surrounds us. That's the world we live in. So obviously, to me, it's very obvious that yes, absolutely, we should we should pursue that and see how it works. And it, only once you understand and know yourself, uh, can you can you progress to the next level. That's right. So how can you progress further? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's right. Uh, I I would I think that uh, all that is correct. I, I would also urge uh, individuals curious on these topics to. Uh, find correlations between all those things, you know, food, uh, music, uh, thoughts, moods, all that. They, they surely have correlations. Um, this was a great discussion, Stefan. I, I learned. I agree. I could stop. I could talk about, <laughs> I could keep talking about this stuff uh, with you for another two or three hours. I think <laughs> I, I'm sure we could, uh, well, uh, that, that I believe went very well. I think that I learned some things, uh, uh, shared some things, and uh, overall, a very interesting uh, conversation just based on the one word song. Good idea. That was a great idea. I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Stefan, have a great okay. Saturday. Bona Pasqua. And uh, if you're celebrating. <laughs> do you want to get this? When do you want to meet again to do this? It's kind of fun, actually. I it like is it. fun. Uh, I was thinking just naturally that Saturday mornings would probably work best for both of us on a regular basis. What do you think? I think it's a good idea. Okay, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do that. Okay. Let's, let's uh, listen to it, uh, meditate on it, and discuss uh, during the week, and then next Saturday maybe we'll do it again. Okay. Perfect. Sounds good. Okay, cool, Stefan. <laughs> See you later. Take care, Charles. You have a good day. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Call ended.
Special thanks to James E. DeBand, jamesedeband.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening to The Fool's Journey.